you're listening to the Padawan Perspective Podcast, a multi-generational Star Wars experience. Brought to you by the Star Wars Report 2nd Airborne Division Podcast Network. With your hosts, Mark, Barrett, Taylor, and Farrow. Join us as we discuss the Rebels TV show on Disney XD, as well as Star Wars fandom across the galaxy. On the Padawan Perspective, the multi-generational podcast of the Star Wars Report, Second Airborne Podcast Division. Welcome to the Padawan Perspective, your multi-generational podcast covering the latest Star Wars news and commentary. You can listen to our episodes of the show streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. And now, on with the show. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Herleman, and with me today, we've got... Taylor. Gavin. Yes, he has to do this. (laughs) And we also have with us today... Pharaoh. Barrett, what's going on, my Padawans? It's it's good to be back. It's always good to be back in the Academy. Hey, we got some uh, news recently. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention to the internet, you probably should. Uh, we have got the official title to Episode 8 by Ryan Johnson. Uh, it is The Last Jedi. Whoa. So, Chills down my spine. The Last yeah, Jedi. That's some deep, deep uh, non-Sith. <laughs> That's a pretty dark title. I mean, you go from The Force Awakens, which in of itself screams a spring, you know, something that's awakening, the spring, flowers opening, something like that, you know, very positive. This one, The Last Jedi, that is not very positive. That means somebody's dying. And we've got the sentence factor. The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, one last time. And someone had mentioned that you went from... Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi, if you go in order. I was coming home from dance, my dad's all like, oh, did you hear? And I'm all, what? And he's like, episode eight. And I was all, oh, what? I was tired from dance and stuff. So it took me a minute to realize what he was talking about. He's all like, The Last Jedi. I just now realized that the the next movie official title was The Last Jedi. Like, you guys just mentioned it. I never knew before. Oh, this is the first time you're hearing about it then? Yeah. So what do you Ooh. think? Yeah, pretty cool. So what what do you think about hearing the title, The Last Jedi? Well, it's definitely more dramatic rather than like The Force Awakened. It's like, it's a brand new, like, new Jedi, but this is The Last Jedi, you know? Like, there's no more Force after this. Well, The Force will be around, but maybe The Jedi won't be? Who Question knows? Question mark? Yeah. I thought about title Last Jedi. Maybe Luke might die or something i don't know but i just heard about it like three minutes ago so like pharaoh you you two have just learned about it recently so it's it's not too outside the realm of possibility to think about luke dying or the possibility that the term jedi is also plural meaning more than one we could see ray and luke dying though i really don't think that would be the case the thing i keep thinking about though is if they were to go that route with killing off luke I, I just feel like there's a missed opportunity there because like you were saying, Baron, 
we had the return of the Jedi. While Luke brought back the Jedi, brought back an order at one point, and then Kylo wipes that order out, unless he finds some way or a new evolution of the Jedi order, but that whole comment that Yoda and, and Kenobi's Force Ghosts were having about, you know, the last of the Jedi, he is, no, or the, maybe he's the first of the new. I just, I feel like if he does die and he doesn't set something else in motion, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know how much I should be tying in Luke... And the Jedi with Luke and the Force. I mean, I always felt like him bringing back the Jedi was part of the balance of the Force. That you couldn't have a strong light side without the Jedi. I, I never really felt like that was possible. If you if you know what I'm saying. If you feel what I'm jiving there. You know, I think this is part of Disney's storytelling of what the Force is and what the Jedi are. They're introducing a lot of... Force users, quote-unquote, dark force users or light force users. We see Chimwat Imwe is a force user. You know, he can feel the force, but he's no Jedi. Maz Kanata is a force user. She can feel the force, but she's no Jedi. We have Inquisitors on the other side and Rebels who are using the force darkly, the dark force, but they're no Jedi and they're no Sith. So I think Disney might be kind of adjusting in their own way what force and jedi is and ray may never become a jedi she just may be a, a force user for the side of of the light well look at, at kylo too i mean we know he was trained he's a master of the knights of ren but his training under snoke is incomplete we don't know what snoke is and what especially he's training him at he's no we sith bet. and he yeah they he says he's no sith there's this big debate on who the last Jedi is, but we I think we already know through the opening crawl that it's Luke. But that doesn't necessarily mean he has to die, right? No, I don't. I, I'm in that same boat. I don't think he necessarily has to die. Uh, me and Taylor, we were talking about it, you know, and one of the things that jumped out to me as a Legends fan, of course, is the fact that this is uh, about the fourth time we're using the title. It's nice, of course, though, now that everything's canon, this will definitely be the last time that title will get reused. I'm not one of those fans that think it's being stolen. That's that's not the case here, folks. I mean, what we've got here is what we're going to see from here on out. Things taken and used in an homage-like way. I don't think you're going to see any of the stories that the old The Last Jedi was. You know, you're not going to see Jax Pavan. You're not going to see Luke doing the Marvel story that he had or Ferris Olin with The Last of the Jedi series. But it's a great title because, like you said, it was in the crawl. It does indicate that it's Luke. Uh, but the thing that me and Taylor keep coming back to is that plural aspect in, in Rey. You know, we last we see Rey, Rey's doing what? She's holding out the lightsaber. She's looking at Luke. She's like all but pleading, hey, train me. If he trains her... She is both the first of the new Jedi since the group that Kylo wiped out, but she is also one of the last Jedi. There is that angle, too. Like, we keep putting a lot of this onto Luke because we already know he is the last Jedi, but we're also kind of promised that this is more Rey's story. Maybe we're going to find out that this is about Rey training under the last Jedi to become the last active Jedi. Because I kind of almost get the sense that Luke is going to take on that mentor role like they promised before. Maybe Luke's going to do a Kenobi and he's not going to be as active in the fight as we were hoping he would be. So that was something me and Taylor were kicking around because, you know, Taylor, she's big on having those those female roles and stuff. And we're hoping Ray has more of a thing. I don't know. Why don't you talk about that? I mean, we were talking about how Jin didn't really have much of a backstory or anything. And I hadn't had a chance to talk to you about this. But we just found out that Disney 
Lucasfilm Press is putting out two Rogue One backstory books, and one of them is uh, Rebel Rising, and it's about Jyn Erso when she's with Saw Gerrera while she's young and learning that Saw's group is extremists, and it even hints that we're going to find out about how she got left behind. Now, you know, we were talking about how when, when Jyn came out, there wasn't much of a continuation for her. But now we've got that backstory role, whereas with Ray, it's different. You know, I mean, we know what happens to Jin. We don't know what happens to Ray. How excited are you as a female fan, as a fangirl who can, by the way, do a fangirl flail anytime you get really excited? I'll, I'll let you talk to my good friend, Teresa Delgado of Fangirls Going Rogue, so you know exactly how to do that right. But, you know, you are entitled to that as a fangirl. So what is your opinion on that, though? I mean, what do you think about Ray being the last Jedi? I honestly think it would be cool for her to be, like, the first Jedi. That's a great question, Dad. If Rey was the last Jedi, I, w- I think, like, she might have, a like, a double lightsaber because her staff is, like, the size of a double lightsaber. And she's really good with the staff thingy, so she might be really good with the lightsaber. I don't know if you caught on to that, Barrett, when we were at Celebration Anaheim, but they had that museum that was there. And we were able to see Ray's staff. And if you look at the back of the quarterstaff, it is a Darth Maul-style lightsaber emitter at the end of it. So, yeah, you know, Gavin, I, I hadn't thought about that. That is that is a possibility. Like maybe Ray never intended for that to be the case when she built it, but maybe she could go back now and make it a fully functional one, which would honestly, at the same time, make for a really cool weapon. I think those double bladed lightsabers are some of the some of the like coolest Star Wars weapons. There's only two people or one person that has like had it so far, which is Darth Maul, right? Right, just Darth just the Maul Inquisitors. So far. Oh, and the Inquisitor, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then there was also the Jedi Temple Guards. They also had the double-bladed yellow lightsabers. I'm kind of on the fence with with all the new lightsabers that they're trying to make. The the Kylo Ren lightsaber was kind of cool. You know, there was all kinds of things going around on how functional it could be. I'm kind of hoping that Rey ditches the staff and goes traditional saber or maybe has two sabers like Ahsoka. I'm more of a traditional type of, you know, I think the staff is maybe a little bit too bulky and too much of a big target if you're in a fight. You know, although Chimwet Imwe seemed to use his staff, so what do I know? I think it would be cool if Rey was as the last Jedi because there's just been so much history through the background of the Force and all that, and I feel like it would be cool to have like a new spin on it. So you saying like you want to learn about the Force from Luke Skywalker's perspective, but seen through the eyes of Rey? Like how would Luke teach a new Jedi? We've seen how Ben Kenobi would do it. We've seen how Yoda would do it. We've seen how Kanan would do it. Now you're ready to see how Luke would do it. Hey, I, I could get behind that. What about you, Gavin? When the blind guy uses his staff, he was really good with the staff, but also he had like that giant crossbow to help him out. Ray, she only had the stick until Han Solo gave her the blaster. Disney likes to do patterns. Star Wars likes to do patterns. By Chimwet Imwe having a staff that changed into a bow. And Ezra, he had the lightsaber blaster. Yeah. We we may have stumbled onto something inadvertently here, guys. The Winkathu job. So who's going to give us a synopsis tonight? The Winkathu job is the ninth episode of the animated television series Star Wars Rebels, the third season. It aired on November 26, 2016 on Disney XD. 
Written by Gary Witta, directed by Stephen Milkshing. Synopsis. The Ghost Crew teams up with Hondo and Asmorgan for a weapon score. Now, we were talking beforehand about the title of this episode. Not only is it a tongue twister, it's hard to read, uh, but did any of us actually hear it in the episode? No, I did not hear it. Nope. I was asleep. I was asleep. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's great. Which honestly, though, there there is that angle. When I saw this title, I kind of felt the same way. You see the synopsis, the ghost crew teams with Hondo and As Morgan for a weapon score. You're like, wow, really? That's all? In fact, what's interesting is that the uh, the television guide that, that StarWars.com gives us for it, they use that for the synopsis. But if you go to uh, DirecTV, which is where we ended up watching it, it's got a much bigger synopsis. Taylor, you were writing that down, didn't you? Did you? Did you? The rebel team with a pair of pirates to salvage a freighter full of weapons for the rebellions. But the mission ends up being far more dangerous than anticipated. Yeah, that one, it definitely made the plot seem more exciting. Uh, It didn't tell you that Hondo was going to be in it or as Morgan, which I think, honestly, everything about the way that the TV handled it was how they should have handled this episode. I kind of feel like this episode was a filler episode. I honestly, uh, the more I see of Hondo Anaka, the more I'm starting to loathe him. And this is a character <laughs> I love in the Clone Wars. I absolutely couldn't get enough of him in the Clone Wars. But this version of the character, I hate. And as Morgan, oh man, there were times that I wish they would have left him behind. I wanted him to die. I was like, ah, that guy, the, the whole episode, I feel like it was such a filler that the only purpose of it was to show how they got the photon bombs. That seemed to be it. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I really did not care for this one. As Morgan, now to refresh the listener's memory, As Morgan was the, the, the crime lord that actually purchased Hera and was going to use Hera as a slave. And Hera ended up escaping, and that was the last time we saw as Morgan. Was it? I thought he came back one more time, but maybe you're right. Maybe that was. It was funny, though, when he mentioned that to, to Hera. Hera was the one I was rooting for because she didn't want him on the ship. Like, And when he said that, I was waiting for him to kick him in the giblets. I was like, dude, you better. If you won't, I will. He's like, I technically still own you. <laughs> and that must be a very sore spot for Twi'leks. They do not want to get sold into slavery. Ula, anyone? You got the impression in Legends with KOTOR and stuff, them being dancers and massage girls and and waitresses and stuff like that was a norm and it wasn't something to be looked down upon. I mean, in our society, it's not always the best of of types of things, especially in the way that they're being bought and sold, as you're putting it. I mean, it is slavery. You know, that angle, I think, I know that's putting the negative spin on it, but if they had an above board doing the same type of thing, but they weren't enslaved to do it is it then still a negative thing in their society i don't know if we know one way or the other when it comes to canon's point of view on that really liked him in the clone wars but um also about the new episode i just realized time we just watched it i like how like i don't know if it was them that did like the paint job on the imperial transport ship with the crates on the sides of it and stuff that was cool I, I do remember Hondo from the Clone Wars. I remember his character as not being such a villain sort of character, you know what I mean? Like, in this one, he's just like, ah, ha, ha, I'm a bad guy. Like, but he, he he's still 
going along with the rebels. To me, in the Clone Wars, he was almost at the same level as like a hut, as Jabba the Hutt or any of the other huts. He had his own gang. He had his own planet where he where he had a base. He had ships. He still has Slave One. Hondo was a, a force to be reckoned with in the Clone Wars. Here, it's like he's scraping and and it's it's almost sad. You know what I'm saying? It's almost sad that that Hondo has has fell from his heights to where he's at now. He's shacking up with the likes of As Morgan. I don't know when they designed this character, but he is not a likable design. You know, for him to bring to bring him back was kind of an interesting choice. I, I thought that he was kind of like a one and done character. So at the very beginning of the episode, if one of them said to Tara, like she tried to hit me with a tray and, and I would start laughing. You know, another character we got to see in this episode was the AP5 droid. And now that we get to see the AP5 droid, after seeing Rogue One about five times, he kind of reminds me of the droid from Rogue One, who I forgot the name of. K2SO? K2SO, yes. He reminds me of him. He, he He's always making jokes, both of them. They have like the same like skinny structure but tall the same like color scheme i could see that comparison he reminds me of admiral raddus Mon calmari ap5 well, that's yeah that's because they're both voiced by one steven stanton <laughs> oh i did yeah, not I, know I, that i'm i'm of course you know anything steven stanton does i'm fond of uh you know we're good friends with him at the star wars report in general so yeah that's uh, every time his character comes on i get a kick out of him uh, he's done quite a few little side characters and stuff in Rebels as well as in the Clone Wars. I like AP5. There's some great comments that he had. Oh, I wouldn't have done that if I were you. You're like, uh-oh. One of the things about this episode that I found was kind of funny was the fact that the reward for the rebellion, in a sense, was the MacGuffin of the episode. You know, before we get the little title credit thing, you know, Hondo's telling him, you know, well, what's in it for us? Well, a reward, you know, and it's like, oh, that's all, you know. And then, of course, they explain, well, it's, it's weapons and stuff. But I think one of the things I had a hard time with this episode is when I looked at that ship, when they connected to the ship and I saw the size of the ship, I saw all the cargo containers on the ship. I'm thinking it's only been disabled and it's drifted into the storm. Chopper's able to power it up. Why aren't we pulling this ship out and just flying off with it? I mean, this is a flurry class size freighter, basically. It just seems stupid to just let this fall into the, the gravity well. I mean, granted, I think maybe they, they talk about it being at the point where they can't get it out. To me, that would have been the better mission than what what they did like i really had a hard time with the aspect of how they went about it i mean you know you have uh, melch already on the ship you've got the the great i i don't remember what they called them if they were transport droids but they were basically hearkening back to the uh imperial dark trooper droids that they had in the uh what was it shadow of the empire dark empire those games and in fact there were even moments where the score was very reminiscent to those games and in fact there were uh, a moment towards the end of the episode when they were moving the proton bombs from the ghost or over to the ghost where the the music was really ramping along and i looked over and i listened and gavin's like bah, 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 in the background of it like he didn't even notice he was doing it but it was great i was just like there was a lot of really cool little moments like that and yet even though those moments happened they weren't enough to bring it around for me with As Morgan. Like, there's a character that I just cannot. I don't like the model. I don't like the way he's portrayed. He's slimy. He's oozy. 
Dave Filoni and crew did their job. I hate this guy. <laughs> During this episode, Hondo made two Kanan blind jokes about how he's blind. Like, you don't have to be blind to this situation. Oh, wait. I can see that you got... Oh, wait. Like, <laughs> twice in a row, too. Kanan's blind now. We get reintroduced to As Morgan and Hondo. I like the fact that Ezra really likes Hondo. You know, Hondo has something, he has something going with him with the youngling. Boba Fett liked him. He liked Boba Fett. He likes Ezra. Ezra trusts him for some reason. We find out that Hondo and his crew tried to attack an Imperial cruiser that, as Morgan told him, that it was going to be not heavily defended and it was going to have a bunch of cargo that they could use. So one of the cool things that you know, you were talking about that was on this freighter was the sentry droids. Because what do the sentry droids look like? They look a lot like dark troopers. I thought it was pretty cool because my dad, he has like a toy of what they used to look like. They were all gray, but in the show, the first time I saw it, I was asking my dad what kind of droids they are. And he's like, I have a toy of that. He's like the gray one. And those are like those dark trooper dudes. And I'm like, they look nothing like the toy, though. I have that exact same toy. I know exactly what you're talking about, Master Herleman. Because in the show, they were like skinnier than what they look like as the toy because they're all though at the same time you could say that these might have been prototype chassis of the other droids that we see later early versions something that they built off of there were some great lines in this you know i mentioned it before when as morgan shows up we got hera goes i'm not allowing that on board my ship and i was like yes uh, but there were some great interaction ones where like zeb goes you know you hacked an Imperial ship, and Ezra's like, we do it all the time. And Honda's like, exactly. Wait, really? <laughs> the, the way that he, like, broke, it was like, wait, what? Uh, and then there was a, a great confrontation between As Morgan and Hondo, and Hondo's like, first claim, what is that? What kind of criminal are you? <laughs> I was just like, that is great. Like those are the those are the type of moments with Hondo that harken back to the Hondo Anaka that I love. But unfortunately, I just find there's not enough of that. And a great moment with Chopper was when the droids all woke up after As Morgan shot the one and did the old "I'm a hero." Oh God, I wanted to just hit him with that blaster but it was chopper and he, he's looking at ezra and he wah, 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 wah. ezra's like what do you mean every man for himself you're a droid and by that point chopper was already long gone so you had those type of moments and then we had the moment with hondo Anaka at the end where he goes yes friendship is the greatest treasure and while that worked for the overall moral of the story i really felt like it didn't work coming from him because I just didn't believe it. Ezra said that you're a droid. I like how Chopper like started to fly out and then Zeb's all, I hope you run out of fuel as he yelled at Chopper. That was funny. You know, Mark, can I just say something real quick? You have a really good Hondo impression. <laughs> I try. I try. There's a few that I can get good. No one seemed to notice Milk was missing. Milk? And then they Milk. just open, they open the crates like, I get half of him. Milch. Now, I, I had noticed something... When we were doing the beginning of this, because uh, the director's last name is Melching, and I was wondering if this character Melch was created in honor of him, and well, that's what I thought too, but I, I don't see anything directly saying it, and this character actually came up in an earlier episode that I don't think Melching had did the directing for, but it does seem too obvious to me as well, like maybe that's exactly what that is. 
The Melch and his friends came up when they lost the Phantom when Hondo ran away and the Phantom fell off the thing and Ezra's all, we got a problem. So do you guys think that Melch realized that he was the odd man out and that Hondo couldn't be trusted, that he needed to hide in the crate because Hondo was a person that he shouldn't be trusting? I'm leaning more towards the side that he just hid in the crate. You, you know what I thought? I thought he hid in the crates because that was the one Hondo was looking at and that's the one Hondo like carried around and had his eye on. Even after that when As Morgan said like I'll get half of him. Hondo, Hondo mentioned that that was the crate. Like, you didn't want this crate. You went off to look for another one because that, that was the crate that Hondo had his eye on. When Hondo was talking with a Milch guy, he's all, fine, instead of 1%, I'll give you 2%. And then um, Milch decided on it. And then he, like, saw, yeah, <laughs> like, so so happy that he gets 1% more than what he was going to get. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that too. I'm like, yeah, 1% to 2%, that doesn't seem like much. When you've come from Melch's level of poverty, I mean, you just got your rate of pay doubled. Like, that's pretty killer deal. <laughs> it is pretty bad. Another thing that I thought was a good thing in the aspect of character development was the banner between Zeb and Ezra. Ezra felt... He felt almost betrayed by Hera by putting Zeb in charge, and Zeb kind of ran with that. And Ezra was chafing under the leadership. And even Zeb said, hey, if you've got a problem with this, go to Hera. I think Zeb proved his worth by being smart enough to send a lot of the proton bombs across first. He kept saying it, bombs first, bombs first. That was probably the smartest thing he could have done for them because when everything turned out to go south, those that he got across first were the only things they walked away with. I mean, that's where I kept coming around, like feeling like this episode, the only point of this episode is to show where they got these proton bombs that I feel like they're going to use later. Otherwise, I have a hard time really seeing what was the value in this episode. I mean, if, if, if someone were to say, you just watched this episode, guys, what is the point of this episode? What would you say? To get more materials for their rebel alliance so they could build up and hopefully soon take over the empire i think the point of it was uh, what you said earlier was just to show how they got the the proton, proton bombs yeah it, the whole episode just explaining how how they got them getting rid of as morgan and like also a ton of riches and gold and credits and stuff money <laughs> <laughs> you think he'd do it just for money <laughs> I, I don't know he, he, he likes money yeah no I, I agree with uh tay he, he he'll probably do it for his family i would give this one a three maybe a four i'll, I'll go four because of the aspect of the whole adding to the background of, of Zeb and Ezra in the leadership role. I, I felt like there was a little good there. Uh, and I did appreciate some of the humor and stuff with the uh, the dialogue. So I'll go with a strong four. I'll go with a four because I feel like they just created this episode to have it basically as a time filler. I would give it a six. I would have given it a seven, but it was like a good episode. But then as Morgan was in it and him all being like selfish, all the I'm a hero. I just didn't like that because I don't like as Morgan. I'd probably give this one a five. I think this episode is just like to get one out because, you know, they have a schedule for when they post episodes. So I think this one is just to get one out to hopefully build on a better plot or build on a better story in the next one. But it did have a lot of reappearing characters uh, in this episode. They did have some some funny lines of dialogue. So I, it's about a five for me. And I would give this episode a middle of the road 
If 10 is highest, I would probably give it a five or a six. Nobody likes As Morgan. That's very funny. None of the Padawans liked As Morgan. I don't like As Morgan. I, who likes him? <laughs> how do, is he? How do these Jar Jar characters get uh, red, uh, green lit? I don't understand it. None of the Padawans like this guy. So it was one of those episodes that was just kind of strange like that. You have these characters that nobody really likes. Most of the reason why the Rebels didn't really commit to this, I think it all falls back onto Ezra's fault because he was reluctant to admit to who his contact was. Had they known more about this going in, maybe the Rebellion would have sent Santo or, you know, would have sent the Mandalorian element that they have or, you know, there's there's quite a few different ships and other resources at the Rebellion's hands that had they known what was available to them, maybe they would have committed more to this. Also, what would be cool in the new movie is, like, if they had Jar Jar Binks, it would be cool to see Jar Jar as, like, the new king of his people and, like, have Rey or Finn and Poe and, like, accidentally wander over his kingdom. So that wraps up this week's show. Thanks, everyone, who came on today as we discussed Star Wars. Remember, you can find our show as well as the rest of the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. So for the Padawan's perspective, this has been Mark Herleman, Taylor, Gavin, Barrett, and Pharaoh. Join us next time when we review the next episode and Inside Man. And until then, I'm sure everything will go horribly wrong. Thank you for listening to our show. For more content, please like our Facebook and Twitter pages. Theme song by Subconscious Tunes. Announcements by Brock. Sponsored by War Machine Marketing. Remember, you can find the Padawan Perspective and all the Star Wars Report Second Airborne Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Horribly wrong. Where's Master Yoda to keep us on point? Padawans, that was... um...